and welcome to What Divines Us. I'm Rabbi Abram Goodstein. I'm Reverend Matthew Schultz. And here we are with another episode. Uh, so this one is going to be uh, mostly about religion and science. Mm-hmm. But Matt, I believe your mom has a question for us. She did send in a question. We had put out there a while back. Um, if anyone wants to send questions in, you're welcome to. And you still all are. Please send us questions if you have any. But the first person to respond was your mom. Right. Well, Wait, let, our... me, let me change the inflection. First person to respond was your mom. <laughs> well, I mean, our, our moms have had a hold of us. And we don't yeah. have an official what defines us <laughs> email account. So really, if you want to ask, ask the question, you're going to have to get a hold of our moms first. There you go. That's true. That's that's a whole different genre then. Questions that you can ask our moms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That could be interesting. Our poor moms. Don't think I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, my mom did ask a question then. Um, after your mom did, we put that out there and my mom said, well, I happen to have one as well. So do you want me to, to start off with that? Yes, let's do it. All right. So um, my mom says um, that after her maternal grandmother passed away, that is um, my great-grandma Graves, my mom then learned that great-grandma Graves was Jewish. Now, my mom has several theories as to why this wasn't shared with us earlier in life. She says, Grandpa was a Mason who pretty much hated Catholics and hated Jews, so they didn't practice any religion at all. Um, Then later on, her mom converted to Catholicism. This is my grandma. Converted to Catholicism in which they were raised. Uh, That was in the USA in the 1950s in the suburbs of New York City. So um, anti-Semitism was kind of under the radar, but still very, very present. You didn't do it out loud, but it was still a very real thing. Um, so they think she thinks that's maybe why they kept that. Uh, it was kept quiet in her family and kept from my mom entirely until after great-grandma Graves' death. So my mom's question is this. She says, I'll, I'll just quote her here, From what I've been able to learn, Judaism is passed down on the maternal side. At the time, I found this enriching, and somehow I felt as though it answered some spiritual questioning and seeking I'd been doing. Is this correct about the matrilinear line? By the way, I hope so. Wow, what a question. It's a bigger question than I think your mom realizes. Um, but she just probably to, knows just to quick, quickly yeah. answer, <laughs> yes, it's, it's called matrilineal descent. Okay. Uh, and absolutely, traditional Judaism goes by that. Uh, you're Jewish if your mom's Jewish. Okay. That's sort of the traditional stance. Uh, as a Reform rabbi, uh, the Reform movement also decided to add in patrilineal descent as well. Okay. If your dad's Jewish, then you're Jewish, right? Uh, so, but the question, the big question is like, what makes someone Jewish? Right. Right? So... Because included in that family history there is when my mom's mom converted to Catholicism. Does that break the line? <sighs> Ooh. Yes and no. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say that like, if you're, say your mom came to me and said, you know, I just learned of my grandma, which by the way, this is very common Okay. to have happen, right? Especially really? since the Holocaust. And we'll talk a little bit about the Holocaust in a moment. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so very common for Jews to hide their Judaism. Okay. Uh, and then for that Judaism to be hidden for a long time, only to be realized later that someone's Jewish. We mm-hmm. often, ironically, we often see this as sort of like family customs where families do certain things and they're not sure why. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they realized, oh, well, it's because it was a Jewish thing that my my grandparents did, but they had no idea it was a Jewish thing. I'm trying to think of a really good example. Uh, you well, know. can I, I? I hope this doesn't sound offensive. There's yeah, potential yeah, that yeah. I'm stepping into. Well, I'm definitely stepping <laughs> into stereotypes here. 
I remember thinking that my dad's mom was Jewish because she had a thick New York City accent. Uh-huh. And my exposure <laughs> to Judaism was on television, yeah. which tended to be overlapping with New York. And then also this same grandma on my dad's side had a, a German influence and she sometimes would use Yiddish words. Right. And right. I, at the time, of course, had no nuance to what was Jewish, what was Yiddish, what was New York, what was German. It all kind of mixed together. And in my head, it sounded kind of like the way Mel Brooks speaks. Sure. Right. And so the stereotypes I had been exposed to on TV, I thought, oh, sounds like my grandma. I Honestly, I find those stereotypes very nourishing, Okay, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, but yeah, so Judaism is traditionally a very metropolitan religion, uh-huh. right? You don't n- Until now, you didn't really have rural or, or rural Jews. Okay. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I won't get into that in this particular episode. But mm-hmm. but so yeah, so that makes sense that a lot that Jews would congregate in New York, you know, a big yeah, city. Yeah. Uh, and but uh, but uh, going back to your to your yeah. mom's original question. So so you know the first question that I would ask your mom if she say came to me and said, "Am I Jewish?" I'm like, "Well, are you practicing?" And I know the story about your mom, so I, I would know the answer would be would be no. Correct. Um, and I would say, "Well, that's really important to be to be Jewish is to is to practice Judaism. Judaism mm-hmm. is a religion of doing." Uh, yeah, and so so in, in that way, I would say, well, I mean, you have Jewish descent in in you, and certainly that that way, but you're not technically, in my mind, as a Reformed rabbi, mm-hmm. you're not practicing, so you're not you're not Jewish. Um, but I have lots of people who come to me about this in various kinds of ways. Um, some people say, yeah, we learn about this, and we'll talk about national descent, and they'll say, you know what? I've been researching Judaism, and actually I'm falling in love with it. Mm. I would like to be Jewish. I'm like, well, can we talk about maybe having like a, a little conversion process here? Yeah. Even though technically you are right, you are Jewish in the matrilineal descent way, you don't really know anything about Judaism. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I encourage them to go through a conversion process. Uh, and that's something that we talk about with, with individuals. Mm-hmm. I get phone calls saying, hey, I just, you know, went to Ancestry.com or I got my genetic test and I realized that I'm 10% Ashkenazi Jew. Right. Uh-huh. And, like, you know, and they're really interested in that. And, I, and so, you know, the other question is that make them Jewish. Right. When they learn that they have a genetic marker. Uh, right, right. That's, that's Jewish. And, that, and that's really complicated as well, because what that means is that somewhere, somewhere around the, on their line, they had uh, someone who lived in Eastern Europe mm-hmm. and lived probably in a Jewish community. Be, you know, in somewhere in their ancestry. Right, um, right. And that's what it means to be Ashkenazi Jew. Uh, and so, you know, it's also another question is that, well, like, certainly you have Jewish ancestry. But here's the weird thing, Matt. Would you say that you have Christian genetic markers? Well, yes, I know. I mean, I was raised by two Catholic clergy people, so in a weird way, <laughs> it's in the, it's yeah. in your bones. There's a chance I was immaculately conceived. We never know for sure, yeah. but it's uh, so no. But again, we I think we touched on this even on our first podcast episode of the Judaism being not only a religious community, but also a certain ethnic marker as well, both and at the same time, um, and the whole being greater than the sum of the parts, you know? So so Christianity, I think, has, since the get-go, well, I would say since the, the, yeah, since the the Gospels and, and certainly the Book of Acts, if not before, has considered itself to be a religion for all nations, you know, at the time called the the the, the nations, the the uh, what's the word, the geis, I think is the the Greek word, but it essentially means all the ethnicities, all sure. the groups, and each of those nations at the time kind of having their own god, 
you know? And so it's saying all of the above were the catch. Oh, let's use my grandma's Yiddish word, the, the Ibergenibulus. So it's <laughs> right. all the leftover bits and pieces, throw them in this pot with us and we'll be the, the you know, those, uh, the wretched refuse religion. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, I really don't think the Jews themselves identified themselves as an ethnic group until really after the Nazis and Hitler. Uh, right? Really? Because think about it. Like, you know, during during that time, uh, you couldn't convert to a, a different religion. You were, you know, if you were Jewish, hmm. the Nazis still thought you were Jewish. Uh, and so it didn't, they, they, they lumped you into an ethnic group that wasn't necessarily just Ashkenazic Jewish, right? Okay. They said, you're a practicing Jew. That's you're ethnically Jewish. Even if you tr- even if you convert to a different religion, doesn't matter to us. We still think that you're Jewish, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah. You're blowing my mind. I'm gonna have to think back in history if I've ever like th- seen an expression of Judaism, Jewishness as an ethnicity before that. That's fascinating. But the, the reality is that starting I think like in like 2006, the the Jewish Ashkenazic marker exists, right? They figured hmm. it out. Okay. There's certainly Jews in Eastern Europe were certainly only marrying each other, which is called endogamy, okay, right, in a way where you could see a clear genetic subgroup huh. of Eastern Europeans who were also Jewish. Okay, so in that way, there is a form of ethnic Judaism, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you have roots in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. so so, but this was this is this this is separate from how Hitler considered who was Jewish and who wasn't Jewish, right? This is a whole different okay. the whole different way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is why when you take a genetic test, some people end up being somewhat Ashkenazic Jew because we have the capacity to understand that genetic marker now huh. in science. Okay. Wow, cool. Yeah, yeah. But here's the other interesting thing is that I don't know whether it was influenced by the Nazi party and Hitler or what? But many Jews do identify themselves as being ethnically Jewish, whether they're part uh, or whether they have a heritage that goes up to Ashkenazi Judaism or not. It's something that we do. We, mm-hmm. we do often consider ourselves to be ethnically Jewish as well as religiously Jewish. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, people will call themselves culturally Jewish. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it means they're ethnically Jewish, but they'll say that, like, yeah, I, I don't go to... I don't worship at shul, but I still celebrate holidays, or I still mm-hmm. make you know um, humatashins for uh, for porn, which is a kind of cookie, or I still, you know I still okay. I do Jewish things, uh-huh. uh, but I don't go to worship services, right? So so Judaism has become kind of I don't, interesting in, in this way. So there's an ethnic part of it, there's a religious part of it, and there's a cultural part of it, yeah. and they they're not all. Dependent on one another, you could be just one of the three. Sure, and 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 it gets even more complicated, Matt, because in Israel you have a group called who call themselves secular, secular Jews, which makes you think they're not Jewish at all. But I don't think that's the case. They are Jewish. Mm -hmm. They're just choosing not to practice uh, Judaism, really. You know, and so they live in Israel. You know, they they're raised Jewish. They understand Mm -hmm. everything about Judaism. They just they don't really go to they don't really go to synagogue. You know, they okay. don't really celebrate many of the holidays. Mm-hmm. So they call mm-hmm. themselves secular. I still consider them to be very Jewish. Right? In, in which way of those? You know, religiously Jewish or ethnically Jewish or culturally dogmatically Jewish. Okay, you know, they believe in Jewish things. Okay, uh, they just don't necessarily like I said, religion. Judaism is a religion of doing, mm-hmm. and, they're not, and they're not necessarily doing all the Jewish things, but they believe in all the Jewish things. Now, when you said it's a religion of doing, that also then makes me think of 
you know, to, to the mirror image in, in Christianity is also a religion of doing, but then the question becomes, well, doing which things? So sure. we have members of our church, every church in the world has, I've mentioned this on a previous episode too, you call them the priesters. They show up only on Christmas and Easter. So are they really doing mm-hmm. those doing things if they only come once or twice a year? However, I also have friends who never go to church, but they pray at night on their own and they are kind to their neighbors so I think, that's I think pretty praying, Christian, right? Is the phone doing? Yeah. Oh, so that's yeah. what I mean. But yeah. they don't ever go to church. They yeah. don't tithe to a church. So there are some of those doing checklists, you know, to do items that they just don't do. But if they call themselves Christian, I just say, okay. No, let right. me give you an example. <laughs> um, so in Judaism, uh, you don't sin by thinking about stuff. Okay. So there's no your your brain is your own, right? Hmm. You only sin when you commit an actual crime. Interesting. So you so, can think about the crime all you want. Yeah. Not a sin. Now, now, let me interrupt you for one sec, if you don't mind, because we laugh sometimes that we agree too much <laughs> uh, in our podcast. This is one of those areas where our religious points of view are quite different. And in fact, Jesus is real clear to say, uh, I'm not going to try to quote it word for word because I'm bad at that. But essentially, if you're even thinking about murdering someone... You, it's as bad as murdering them. Don't sure. don't even allow these thoughts to be in your head. And and if you're lusting after someone, you're committing adultery. Don't even do that. So the internal stuff is considered real, just as bad. I, I don't know if I would say just as bad. I don't think Jesus's point there was to say full equivalence, because obviously there's a difference. But um, but it, I I would say it's considered sinful within my tradition. Well, that, I mean, that just shows you how much Judaism is committed to its um, doingsmanship, I guess. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know. That's I'm my new favorite word, word. <laughs> doingsmanship. Yeah. Well, yeah. wait, 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 wait. That's that's uh, that's male language, so it's doingspersonship. Do, doingpersonship. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, uh, because, yeah, you're, we don't, we don't believe, we, we, I mean, we don't, we don't care, actually. It's one of, we, don't, we don't care what you're thinking about. Interesting. Right? You can have all the thoughts in the world. To us, thoughts don't have that kind of value. Okay. Uh, the, the the thoughts are yours to have. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. it's just if you commit those those thoughts into action, that's where the sin or hey, you know, thinking about good things too, right? You know, yeah. Or mm-hmm. the blessings come into play. But so that's sort of where where I show my example of why Judaism is a, is a religion yeah. I'm doing. That's a great point to say for good things too, because yeah. no one ever tries to claim. Well, I thought about giving all my money to the poor, so that's just as good, right? I right, thought about right, doing it. Right. That's not. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a blessing in Judaism. You just yeah. only thought about it. You got to right. go and do it. It's a good point. It's a religion of doing. So, so there you go. And, and I think within Christianity, it's it's the thought of the things that you dwell on. Yeah. Think those thoughts inside of yourself, which you nourish, are going to become action, and that's why it's considered. Sinful. They're gonna. Those seeds that you keep alive in your heart are gonna bear fruit eventually. Yeah. yeah. So you just keep an eye on them. Yeah, but just going back to sort of like your mom's question. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's interesting too because I think the reform, uh, a reform rabbi and orthodox rabbi might have like a different take. Yeah. On, on what your what your mom needs, like a reform rabbi might say, no, you don't need a conversion because you you're part of the matrilineal descent, but mm-hmm. you now have to practice Judaism in every tenet that we believe in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Otherwise, that's it. But I think in the reform movement, we say, yeah, you have to go through the process of conversion. That takes over a year, right? Because right. we want you to learn what this religion's about, um, and that's and, and most people who I talk to who have who've gone through this journey of realizing they've got a family member who is who what who is Jewish mm-hmm. and they also want to be Jewish, they all want to convert. They all want to say, 
Um, I want to go through the conversion process because I don't know anything about Judaism anyways. So I, but I, I've been researching it and I like it. Yeah. It aligns to my own belief system. And so this is what I want to do, but I don't want to just be Jewish. I want to, I want to convert. I want some kind of ceremony where I get to say I am now Jewish. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can, I would guess that's not what my mom's looking for a yeah, ceremony, yeah. but I do think she enjoys learning more about her own history and she's, she's got you know, master's degrees in theology and whatnot. And so I think she would just be just happy to learn of this part of the puzzle. Which is awesome. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I talk to people about that all the time. I'm just like, congratulations. Like, yeah. you got this part of the side of your family you didn't know about. You can do some research. You get to understand mm-hmm. more, more about this religion. You know, I love that. You don't have to be Jewish to, you know, to, to honor your, you know, your, your grandparents or, or to love the fact that they were Jewish. Right. You know, right. that's not, that's okay. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's totally great. Um, but, you know, there is some complicated components to this, too. Like, for example, there is something that you can, there are only things that Jews can do. Uh, so um, we're reading Torah, right? Uh, often called laning Torah. Okay. The Torah is our five books of mm-hmm. of the Bible in a scroll form. It's a big old scroll, uh, and it often is very old. Um, and you, in uh, the Hebrew, is all very like calligraphy, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to read sometimes. Um, but there's this honor where you bless it, you okay. bless the Torah. It's a beautiful honor. Only someone who's Jewish can do it. And Jewish by the very official well, that's the markers. problem. That's the problem. Oh, okay. It's called it's called an aliyah to bless the Torah. And so, what if your mom said, "I want to, I want to do an aliyah," and mm. I, I am Jewish by matrilineal descent? Would that be enough for a given community? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think about that one. All right. Uh, I, I would do that on a case by case basis. I think just depending. But for me personally, I would be like, "Are you practicing?" And if she said no, then I probably would say, uh, probably not. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so that's, you know, there are, th- that's where you kind of figure it out. Like when a Jew can only do a Jewish thing. Yeah. That's, that's where the this problem really kind of plays mm-hmm. out. Well, cool. Well, mom, if you're listening, I hope you found this somewhat useful. Uh, my mom, also a clergy person, she knows very well that when people come to us with a question, we usually send them away with more questions. So yeah, enjoy well, you those. Yeah. You've gotten to meet my mom, Matt, but I haven't gotten to meet your mom. She might be coming up this uh, year. Uh, awesome. COVID restrictions are, are the hitch and the giddy up. So we'll I see. If not I this year, then I have a lot of questions soon. for her, so I can't okay. wait. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Some sometime we'll let them do the podcast. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing that idea. That would be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So right. uh, we want to next do religion one hundred and one, and for this particular uh, religion one hundred and one, Matt and I are going to talk about religion and science. Uh, and how those two groove together. They do uh, groove. <laughs> so, so I think, Matt, was this your idea? Or was this, this, was this was my idea. We some, this it, well, it's something I talk about a lot. A few years ago, Neil deGrasse Tyson did a reboot of Carl Sagan's show Cosmos. Cosmos, yeah. And we, our church did a, like a discussion group down at one of the local beer pubs in town. I forget which one it was. Um, and it was great. It had a lot of people showing up that... And time and time again, people say, you know, I really am interested in religion. I just don't like how it's anti-science. And so much of my time is spent telling people it's not. It's totally not. It's not the same. It, it, they're, not, they're not jockeying for control over the same turf. <laughs> Why do people think that? Oh, I think it's the church's fault. Which church? Uh, the church universal over the 
over history. Um, you know, the big, the big, just a big church, church as in capital C, like church with a lowercase C Catholic, which means all the churches in the world. Capital C Catholic means the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm no not idea. trying to say they're worse about this than we Protestants are because we, we're guilty, both of us. Um, I don't know about the the Eastern, the Orthodox religions. Maybe they're great <laughs> historically on this topic, but I know that, like, the emblematic one that people often will bring up is Galileo. Galileo, yeah. You know, yeah. and Copernicus as well, yeah. And so does the Earth revolve around the sun? Of course it does, definitely does, but are people going to get thrown in prison and executed for asserting that? Yeah, the church did that. And the church burned scientists. Now, in our defense, that was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But that doesn't make it okay. And so it's those big examples and the many lesser known ones throughout history is why people think that. But that, by that, but that, but that example, though, I would say that like they are kind of filling the same void. You know, if like if if the church was like, hey, Galileo, get out of our lane. Right. Uh, well, that are. is what they were saying. But I think that comes from a pre-scientific mindset in which anything that was mystery was God, uh-huh. right? And then as we started to figure more stuff out, it, we realized that, uh, oh boy, some writer once called that the God of the gaps. Well, wherever there's a gap in our knowledge, well, God did it. We don't know what caused thunder. Well, it was probably Thor. We'll just put a God in that gap and say that's what causes that. And so over time, theology has developed to recognize that's a bad way to do religion. And science has developed to to really become what it is. And so, so I think in the beginning, they were in that same lane of trying to figure out what the universe is. What in the world is going on? They were both that. But now they've diverged over time. And science is now saying, what is the world? And religion is saying, why is the world? Mm. Different questions. They're both valid and wonderful. And to be honest, they need each other. Because science asking what is the world, well, who cares? It doesn't matter. You're going to be dead within 100 years. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> so <What? laughs> that's question number one. And question number two, religion saying why is the world? Well, for, you have to know what the world is to even care about why. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're both super important. Yeah, I could I could go on and on, but I don't want to be blabbering forever. <laughs> I will do another shout out to my family, though. My mom's brother, my uncle Bob, is a Catholic priest and also a brilliant scientist. Of course, he's a physics teacher at a college. And when it was the late seventies, early eighties, he built my family a home computer when no one had home computers in my whole town, you know. And he was just like, oh, I could do this, and he kind of threw it together. And we, you know, it ran on the the DOS. Uh, floppy disks that we would put in to boot yeah. it up and it was a whole thing and um but he's a brilliant scientist and also a catholic priest and so i was raised with this example of science and religion not only like in harmony not only in harmony but yeah. in the same person you know there you can be both we need to do a whole podcast about your family oh my gosh they're pretty cool Every time talking about them, I'm more, <laughs> more interested yeah I, i'm quite proud of them yeah i'd be happy to uh but so science i i think is awesome there's a famous quote that says Religion and science only oppose each other in the same way as the thumb and the forefinger do, and when they work together, they can grasp anything. Whoa. Pretty slick, huh? Deep. I probably deep misquoted story. it a bit, and I don't remember who said it, but <laughs> it was close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with you as well in terms of Judaism. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I think they're all very aligned. Um, some of the greatest, actually, scientists out there are Jewish. Sure, yeah. I mean, the Einstein is the like the, the word we Prime use for example. a smart person. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but you know what? You know what? I think the reason why uh, say religion and science actually align so well is that religion often looks for wisdom. I think you know, yeah. for example, in in the Bible we have wisdom literature, right? You know, uh-huh. the Proverbs. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, wisdom is a really important part of of what of the scope of what of what you and I do, um, mm-hmm. Matt. And I think that like science is just is just wisdom that religion can mine. You know, and so I think that, science. Let, with, let me clarify science, something. Yeah, science in and of itself is not wisdom. They're not the same thing, but you're saying from science we can glean wisdom. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. For example, the way that science describes or discovers how our brain works, Yeah. you know, I think only enhances, you know, my religious experience. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there have been articles about how people have, or have like, faith, like, baked into their own, to their brain. Like, they just, you know, it's hardwired. And that, to me, that's, that's almost beautiful um, yeah, that yeah. we discovered that, that we figured that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, honestly, I think that sort of, like, as you point out, science is the, is the what of the world. But, but like, science, like, unlocks how our, our world works. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's, uh, as, as, as someone who's, you know, a, a clergy, I think that's incredible. Yeah, uh, and 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 the more nuanced and more complicated it, it, we discover that it is, I think the more incredible and and, and awe inspiring it is for me mm-hmm. to, to learn. So I mean, I so I think you're right. I mean, I think they go hand in hand. Actually, it's really interesting. We had a um, we had a bar mitzvah this last weekend, and I always make the kids uh, recite uh, or, or give a sermon. Right? They have to give a sermon nice, during nice. their bar mitzvah. Uh-huh. But anyone doesn't know, bar mitzvah is like a Jewish rite of passage where a a young person becomes a Jewish adult. Happens around thirteen, so they're kind of young to be adults. But but yeah, but that's how. But you when you become a uh, when you have your bar mitzvah, you can do do you can then have an aliyah, right? You can then bless over the Torah because you're a Jewish adult. Nice. Um, but uh, but so I also so I make my kids give sermons, and so my my uh, bar mitzvah kid he did his sermon on Genesis one one right in the beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's like he's like I think that the, the you know theory of evolution and creation are very much aligned. He's like just like how. I believe that the Big Bang, which starts out with a light, is aligned with how God first made light, right? You see how they're, not, they're they're connected? And he's like, I think that our creation story helped us begin to understand how the universe was really created. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool, the way he lined those two things up. Yeah, and I, that comes up a lot in our tradition as well in terms of, well, which is it then? Is the universe, what are they saying now, like 16 billion years old? or Isn't it 13 point, I don't know. I'm not the numbers guy, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's yeah, way it's, up, there. It's up there. Or is it the 4,000? ish that Five. you come up with if you add it backwards oh, from yeah. here to, to Genesis. And my, my canned response is, the book of Genesis is not a science textbook. It's not trying to tell us a specific timeline of how each and everything happened. And so you go with the billions on that one. Because yeah. Genesis is not, is not trying to tell us how all of this happened. It's trying to tell us why. It's trying to tell us who we are in relation to whom, meaning one another and God. And, right. and that's... That's not the same purpose as the cosmology of the Big Bang and evolution, because they're the, the, those are those different lanes. As I was thinking earlier, you know, they're, right, they're, right. Actually, yeah. so so essentially, in Judaism, uh, the universe is five thousand seven hundred eighty-two years. Oh, there you go. All right. So because uh, we celebrate the uh, you know the new year, right? First Hashanah every year. Mm-hmm. So that's the belief in Judaism of when the universe was created. Obviously, there is a geological understanding when the universe was created. Right. You know, which is I, th- I, I yeah thirteen and sixteen. Billion years. I hate that we don't know that. We should know that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the average. Half yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 14 and um, a half. And I have people ask me about that. Like, yeah. does that contradict each other? Is that a contradiction? Right. And it's not, right? You, mm-hmm. you, can, you can believe in both, right? You can believe that there's two truths there. And not each truth has to contradict the other. Well, let's, let's, um, I have here on your windowsill, 
Lego Indiana Jones. So remember when he's teaching? For for, for our our, our listeners, right now we're in my office, and I I hide Lego people in my office for kids who are with their parents. Oh, nice. Then the find. Okay. Just so, just FYI. Also, FYI, before I was a rabbi, I was an archaeologist. So I have an affinity Wait, for Indiana Jones. Really? Yeah. How did I not know this about you? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have so many new questions now. I'm oh, sure. I have a lot of questions about your family, Matt. So you got. I am gonna down. bother you yeah, like heck yeah, with, yeah. with awesome archaeology questions. Well, yeah. do you remember in the third Indiana Jones movie, The Holy Grail? Uh, heck yeah, I do. <laughs> where the Last Crusade, where he um, is writing down on the chalkboard for his class. He says, "Archaeology is the search for fact, yeah, not truth." Yeah. If you want truth, Dr. Tyree's philosophy class is right down the hall. hall. Yes. So, I <laughs> um, so when you were saying like there are two different kinds of truth, science yeah. and religion, we're we're looking for truth. Science is looking for fact. Yeah. And I think that's a real helpful divergence point. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. While we were talking, I also Googled it. How old is the universe? It says here on Google, 14 billion. Oh, so we're both a little bit off. Yeah. 14 yeah. billion, yeah. Although by prices right rules, you win because I went over. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I, I believe that the Earth is or the universe is 14 billion years old. Me too. Um, I also believe in I'm the- actually. I'm sticking with 16 billion. Y'all oh can God. catch up to me. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> uh, but I also believe in the value of celebrating um, every year Rosh Hashanah, where we up to update the year by one more. And this last yeah. year it was 5,782. Nice. You know? So, I mean, I, I believe in both and I love both. Yeah. Um, so that's so that's that's my take on that. I'm with you. Uh, and But yeah, but anyways, I think that's. That's the religion and science, huh? Nice. Yep. We else? solved it. We fixed it. <laughs> I will say I read a great quote from the Dalai Lama where the interviewer said, you know, you believe in reincarnation and there's a, a, some type of an afterlife, whether it's, you know, coming back in in this karmic way. Um, what if just, you know, theoretically it were to be proven scientifically beyond the shadow of a doubt that that is not true. And when you die, that's it. What would you do then? And the Dalai Lama, you know, as he does, paused and thought for a minute. And he goes, and he goes, I would have to alter my teaching. <laughs> so simple. And so I love simple. that. And it's I, so, oh yeah, man. And I figured that's easily navigates yeah, this. Yeah, kind of how I look at our religion and faith stuff too. If uh, and science stuff, if if something were to come up that just totally altered what we recognize as the world, well, you know, we change based on that. Just like they had to when evolution became known and when the Big Bang became known. All right, we're going to change and move on with what we now know. I know that, that that level of flexibility, I think, is difficult for a, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, and, sure. And so, and, and it, even for Judaism, I mean, like, we're kind of an old religion, Matt. I mean, <laughs> we're 5,782 years old, essentially. Yeah. If you want to think about it like that. Um, That's true. <laughs> but, uh, and so, I. I mean, like, I'll tell you, I would struggle. I would struggle. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And um, I'm lucky I haven't had to deal with big paradigmatic, paradigmatic. How do you, how do you, how do you accentuate Paradigm that? shift. Yeah. Um, I haven't had to do that in my lifetime, really. There hasn't been that big a shift scientifically that's been dropped on us. So who knows? I hope I would do well. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's the thing is if there's a big paradigm shift, I think it's our job to help figure it out. Yeah. Right? Like, right. Yeah. Like, how does one emotionally prepare mm-hmm. for a scientific paradigm shift? That's our lane. The one that's going to be, it's going to happen in just a few years, is when aliens make first contact with us. Oh, man. And, and they're going to come and they're going to say, guess what? We've got our own religions, so get ready. 
That's going to so, be exciting. It's going to be good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mark your calendars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, actually, before we, one more thing. Yes. So believe it or not, I was actually a religious studies major uh, in, in college. Uh, at the time, the becoming a rabbi had never occurred to me, even well after I graduated. That's a whole other story. Okay. Um, but, uh, but one thing I learned is like, so if you think about, if you look at sort of like the Islamic golden era, which is started around 600 CE, okay. uh, they, they had a really interesting take on science as well. Um, mm-hmm. They thought that scientists were the, were the forefront like religiousness, like like they were the they were the ones discovering God, oh right because neat. the more they the more that they discovered the more that they were unlocking a capacity to understand God. Sure, I always thought that was a really cool take. That makes a science. lot of sense, and there is a long stream of thought in Christianity as well that that you can learn more about God by learning more about God's creation and yeah. and a naturalistic kind of theology to say if you want to learn about God, look at what God created. Right, right, and, and, that's, and that's another thing too. That is that, like you know, uh, my wife for a time was a scientist. You know, she, she always had like the sort of the sense of uh, of realizing that the more that like the more that we understand, the more we realize that we don't know. Yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah. my god, that's like. That's religion. That's exactly. Yeah, it sure <laughs> that's, is. That's what we're doing. And so she had this. She has this incredible sense of like this is. You know, I'm always. I'm always intrigued. Like this keeps me going. Like this yeah. is what. This is what makes me want to learn more about what we're working on. Is because we're, when we discover something, we realize we know less than we thought we did. Right. Um, and I, I thought that was a beautiful metaphor for what religion's about too. I agree. Let's give her the last word on that. I okay. think that's a, that's okay. a good one to close on. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, our, our final component is, uh, I don't know what we're calling breaking news is what you wanted to call it. But this we, just in. Yeah. But so so uh, Matt and I, we, we organized and hosted an event called Anchorage Unites for Hope, no, Remembrance and Hope, right? Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. gratitude was also in there. It just didn't make it into the title because it was it was getting to be wordy. Yeah. yeah. And just, I'm not sure when this will be available online, but we did this on Sunday evening, October 24th. Right, right. And so for you and me, that was two days ago. And we were, so this event, essentially what it was, it was partly a memorial for those who passed away from COVID. Yes. And partly a way to honor healthcare workers mm-hmm. as well. And what we discovered, you and I, is that there wasn't really any memorials going on for those who have died from COVID. And we're really sad by that. And and it's, and it was surprising to me that it was surprising to me, right? Like, how did I not notice that there's not a running tally and not, not an ongoing memorial? Yeah, that it's strange because maybe maybe in the past, you know, you don't put up a memorial for World War II veterans until World War II is over. Sure. You know, maybe it's that kind of thing. Um, the event is still ongoing, so maybe it would feel like having a funeral for a family member who is still dying. Uh, you know, because we're still in the midst of the of the event that we're grieving. Yeah, I know, I, I know, and that makes you're making a kind of sense there for sure. But in Alaska, there's been over 673 residents yeah. that have died from COVID. You know, that's you know 673 possibly families mm-hmm. that are that are mourning the loss of a loved one. Yeah, I think that deserves some recognition. Agreed. Yeah, it's and I'm I'm wondering in terms of the state because it's a small state, small population statewide, um, big geography, small population, and so it's got to have touched everyone, or at least the vast majority of the state must be in mourning for someone they know. Yeah. So it's it's something, and so what we did at the at this event was put up a. Uh, kind of a structure that holds what we're calling flags. They're essentially squares of fabric that can be as small as like two or three inches by two or three inches, or maybe a rectangle that's more like a foot by a foot. 
um, multiple different colors and patterns, and people clotheslined them, you know, clothespinned them to a clothesline on this structure. Each flag representing a death. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, each flag representing a death. I'm I'm still working on getting the final count. I added more today based on today's new count. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm double checking the math on it to make sure it's accurate. Um, in the moment of the event, I didn't feel we had to be accurate because it was be- it was the beginning of what we it was be the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And so today I did some. Tomorrow I'll get that finalized. So so that starting tomorrow morning, it'll be numerically accurate to what the current state total is. And I'll keep that updated for a total of ten days, and then we'll have it taken down. Yeah, we th- we we thought it'd be really powerful to have like a visual representation yeah. of who's uh, passed away from COVID to show the effect that, mm-hmm. that this has on our on our Alaska community. Yeah, I feel people. I, I don't want to say enjoyed it because it wasn't like a celebratory thing. Yeah, but there was an element of joy in terms of people seeing one another. And I think that's true at most funerals. I've never attended a funeral that didn't have at least some laughter. Yeah. You know, some more than others, of course. But there's there's often this element of people will always say, oh, it's so great to see you again. I wish it weren't under these circumstances. Right. And and that, that was certainly an aspect of it at this event, that people miss each other. Yeah. I mean, it, it was nice to see. I mean, I had a number of congregants come. And yeah. I hadn't seen them in person for a while. So that was really nice. It was so, outside to, mm-hmm. to be COVID safe. Being outside was yeah, good. Everyone yeah. was masked. Distancing was off and on because it was yeah. a crowd. Um, but but I think also it, I found it very helpful. Helpful is the wrong word. I'll, you know, I'll just speak for myself. I really appreciated being present at an event that was not a battle we weren't trying to sway a vote. We weren't speaking against some other people doing bad things. Um, uh, it was we were gathering together for what I would say nourishing our souls and nourishing the community. Yeah, and that that's I'm missing that. Yeah, that sense of nourishment. I, I yeah. think also that that sort of like that. You're right. There's been a lot of political fighting over over yeah. COVID in lots of different mm-hmm. ways. Um, and in, in some ways, we all have so much in common in that we're all suffering from what COVID has wrought and sort of yeah. in, in our lives. And I think I think this event sort of recognized that that you know I you know I gave a little speech. Mm-hmm. I, I talked about how. Uh, we're all in mourning, yeah. Not just because of a death of a loved one, because of the change in our lives, mm-hmm. um, and that if you're, you know, if we can recognize that we're all, you know, experiencing grief, yeah, uh, then I think it goes a long way to show that we're all sort of, you know, in relationship with each other. We've all had this shared experience, mm-hmm. um, and that's powerful. It's a powerful way to bond. It's a powerful connection. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, this uh, this last event we had on, on this last Sunday. Uh, did some of that, but we planned to have this event every three months. Well, when we say this event, it'll be different each time. Well, yeah, anchoring nights. But yeah, ga- yeah gather together for the purpose of you of uh, what we're going to say, memorializing, you know, remembering, and also hope of some sort. So I think those, are, and and I think I was also thinking some gratitude aspect for the next one also that I have in mind. I'll tell you later on. Cool. Um, but yeah, three months from now, some point in mid-January, we'll we'll gather again. We have other groups that have expressed interest in being a part of it next time too. My guess is we'll have to have the same COVID rules in place at that point. So it'll be outdoors. 
in January. <laughs> in Alaska. In Alaska. That, <laughs> so that'll be something. Yeah, that'll be fun. We'll figure that out. <laughs> they, they do fur Rondi. They do I did a rod. We can do something. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think that concludes our episode of What Divines Us. If you've I gotten this so. far, uh, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and also a few thank yous. Thank you to the Mutual Brothers for the music and their help with the sound design. Um, and of course, James Brown for our amazing logo. Um, and you can watch... Uh, Matt or myself in action. Uh, Matt, you're you have like uh, you're in person for a few things, aren't you? Somewhat, yeah. yeah. We have limited attendance, so we max out at about fifty, so we can maintain distance within the sanctuary. You have to be masked. We're just about all vaccinated anyway, so that's not an issue. And we don't sing in person because that's a spreader. Uh, we sing the final hymn, and then we all leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. if you want to find our stuff, just Google First Presbyterian Church of Anchorage, Alaska. You'll find all of our stuff. We live stream each Sunday. Morning at 11 a.m., both on Facebook and on YouTube. Yeah, and we live stream too. You can find us on YouTube at Alaska Judaism Media, is where is our YouTube channel. So that's where you can see me in action or our community in action. Uh, and we're, uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks.